From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman, it's State of Nevada. The war on drugs started in the 70s. In the 1980s, First Lady Nancy Reagan urged people to just say no to drugs. Then there was a the TV commercial of a man frying an egg to demonstrate this is your brain on drugs. And there was D.A.R.E., the Drug Abuse Resistance Education Program. Next month, D.A.R.E. turns 40 years old. When it started in 1983, D.A.R.E. trained police officers to teach students about the dangers of drug abuse. Within a few years, it was in schools nationwide. In rural Nevada, some schools still have D.A.R.E., but it ended in Clark County School District in 2012. But as drugs are a big, big part of society, schools really can't ignore it. So where or how is drug education taught today? Dennis Osborne is Western Re- the Western Regional Director for D.A.R.E. America. Dennis, welcome to, to State of Nevada. Joe, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you, Dennis. And for, just to let people know, you're in Reno. Now, for, for D.A.R.E., for those who have never gone through it, what does it teach? What does it do? You know, Dare, and I'm glad you you started off with that because it is still an officer-delivered prevention program. And that's the real important part because that that was always the successful part of the program, you know, is that the officers and the students and the parents in the community have that positive relationship. Uh, and the the what it teaches kids today is basically how to make healthy and safe decisions for a long, healthy life. You know, the, you know, I sort of alluded to this a bit in the introduction. There are a lot of opinions. Dare has been researched a lot because it re- it had received federal funding for many years. Um, in 1994, the Department of Justice found a small short-term reduction in the use of tobacco by Dare students, but not for alcohol or marijuana. In 1999, the American Psychological Association said basically said it was ineffective. In 2012, Dare. Was not they, this? I'm oh, sorry. In 2012, the Clark County School District stopped uh, teaching Dare, and that had to do largely with Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department's lack of funding to put officers in the classroom. But I, I wonder um, what what your thoughts are on the effectiveness of Dare where it is employed. Yeah, no, that's that's a great opportunity for me because uh, the most recent study, all those studies that you mentioned already, Joe, were of the old curriculum. So in 2009. Uh, Dare went with a curriculum that we still have today called Keeping It Real. And Keeping It Real was developed uh, by the University of Arizona, Arizona State and Penn State Universities. And it was a collaboration between those universities to create this curriculum based on social emotional learning. And uh, it, that's what we're using today. And at the in 2018, for a three year multi-longitudinal study that involved nine states and 45 different schools. It went for three years, just ended in uh, in 2021, and that executive studies out, and that was by the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. So now that we've had a, a study on the current curriculum, that is a, an, an amazing thing because the results were positive. It did show reductions. It showed that DARE was effective. So the more we can get that message out, it really helps us because there's so many studies, like you just mentioned, of the old curriculum. And a lot of people don't realize that we switched curriculums in 2009 for middle school and then in 2013 for the elementary school. Yeah, it was really interesting. I've read a lot of stuff about D.A.R.E. online. There was one sheet that went out around 2012 from D.A.R.E. 
that uh, where they said they were changing, they were shifting some of their focus away from marijuana, more toward alcohol and tobacco, which said because uh, young kids weren't really that exposed to marijuana. And But I wonder if that's changed now because marijuana is legal in 21 states. It's recreational marijuana is legal here. It's really ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Does D.A.R.E. focus on that now? So D.A.R.E. does have uh, an enhancement lesson on marijuana. And basically, it's deemed uh, age appropriate. So if a D.A.R.E. officer is in a class and the kids are asking about marijuana and have questions they're curious about, then they know about it. And like you just mentioned, with 21 states having a legal, kids do know about it. So really, D.A.R.E.'s stance on that and is it's not safe for kids with developing brains to participate in the use of marijuana. And the science shows that, you know, even pro-marijuana advocates support that. It's not safe for kids. And D.A.R.E. has always been a K through 12 prevention program. We're not trying to tell adults what they should or should not do. We're telling kids, hey, as your brain is developing, it's not safe to have that marijuana use. And I'm glad you brought up um, Clark County, uh, Las Vegas Metro, because I did talk to uh, Kevin McMahill when he was the undersheriff, mm-hmm. and I retired as the chief of the Nevada Highway Patrol. And when I first came into this position in 2017, I was asking, him, hey, you know, what's the history? Why did Metro stop? Uh, teaching dare in schools. And he's like, he said, Dennis, that was one of the hardest decisions I had to do. And one of the hardest things I had to deliver to stop that program because the officers loved it. The schools loved it. The community loved it. But, you know, Clark County, as everybody knows, that's lived in Las Vegas has grown tremendously. And it is currently the fifth or sixth largest school district in the United States. So it became yeah, very difficult to get an officer in each classroom and keep that uh, fair and equitable. I'm talking to Dennis Osborne. He's the Western Regional Director for DARE America. And DARE, as a lot of people know, is the Drug Abuse Resistance Education Program. Next month, it turns 40 years old. A lot of you out there have been through it. And joining us now is Sally from Las Vegas. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, this is such an interesting show topic today. I... I'm in my mid-20s right now, and I went through the D.A.R.E. education program in the fifth grade, and it was a pretty big part of my life at the time. Um, I was very involved in it. I got a couple of awards, and I did a big speech in front of my entire school. And I think it was interesting because the impact that D.A.R.E. had on me, I really did not get into anything. I didn't smoke. I, I was afraid of tobacco. I didn't drink um, until I was 18, which is still underage, but compared to a lot of other people, like that was relatively late. I didn't smoke marijuana until I turned 21. And I think the D.A.R.E. program, the impact that it had on me, it was more rewarding for you to be a kid and to make that decision to not, you know, do drugs, even think about any type of um, alcohol or abusing any type of, you know, drugs. Mm -hmm. And I think it scared me to the point, which I, which had kind of an adverse effect because when I did finally start drinking and um, smoking marijuana and trying other recreational drugs, I think I, since I was so scared my entire childhood from dare, I kind of went hard and I was a little um, toxic in my nature and abusive with that. And I just think, the D.A.R.E. program, you know, when you're young and you're an impressionable, an impressionable child, mm. it's 
it seems cool, but then you don't realize the psyche, the effect that it has on your psyche. So mm. I think Dare kind of the way that I was taught and how the program was when I was young, it helped for a minute, but then it, it wasn't lasting. It didn't have lasting effects. Well, well, well Sally, um, do, do you think, so, so give me your assessment. Um, do you think it benefited you or, or it wasn't a benefit? Because it sounds like early on it, it was a benefit. And a lot of uh, what we talk about in today's society in relation to drug abuse has to do with young young people and not wanting them to, you know, start early and then, you know, potentially get addicted. I wonder what your opinion is. I think it, it helped um, to the fact that I did not try any substances while I was a child. And as you guys were saying, while my brain was developing, but it, I think just having that stigma, that stigma around drugs, especially marijuana, which is legal in Nevada for consumption. I think that had a negative impact on me because I grew up just thinking, oh, if I even think about smoking weed, it'll just lead me to the next drug and it'll just uh, lead me on a dark path. And so I was so afraid of that for the longest time. Then when I actually tried it and realized, oh, it's not that bad, then is when I actually started going down that darker path and trying a little, maybe a little too much and uh, Mm -hmm. using drugs a little too heavily. Are you... Are you still at that point? Where are you now? Um, I I drink socially in a social setting. I, I smoke in a social setting as well. It's not, I, I think I've moved through um, that, that dark phase on my own just from realizing, you know, growing up and becoming an adult and realizing what matters in my life. But I, yeah, I just think D.A.R.E. had a, a poor impact on my perception of drugs and people who use drugs or people who drink. I think I had, I, I had that stigma as well, where I would see people who are drinking or using drugs and I would think negatively of them when in reality, you know, it's not that bad as long as you use responsibly. And I wish that had been taught to me at a, at, during dare. Okay. Sally, uh, I thank you for your comment. Uh, and again, we're talking about, we're really talking about drug programs, um, anti-abuse programs in our school system. Dare was in the Clark County School System for school system for a long time until 2012, when it was discontinued by really the police department. It's in a few rural counties now throughout Nevada. And I'm here with Dennis Osborne, who's the Western Regional Director for Dare America. He's in Reno. We're also here. I'm also here with Tabitha Johnson. She's a therapist. And Lieutenant Brian Zink of the Clark County School District Police Department, and they have a new program in the schools here. And we're interested in, 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 in you. If you uh, went through the Dare program yourself, uh, you heard Sally just talking about it. Um, how did it impact you, or did it impact you, Max from Henderson? Welcome to the program. Uh, hello. Thank you for having me. Sure. Go ahead. Um, so it was interesting because originally I'm a transplant here in Nevada, but I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And I do recall vividly because we actually posed with um, a spokesperson from there when they put the plaque on the school, our public school. And the difference with me, it actually was beneficial because it actually put some pieces together as to what was going on in Bushwick, New York. Like I, I, have, I was suffering with family who were suffering from drug addiction. So you had these, and it was primarily not on marijuana, but the warnings were on crack cocaine back in the 80s. That was like, crack was the biggest mm-hmm. 
push, I guess, and, and bad. So, you know, you had that awareness there where it actually put pieces together as to what was happening to your family. And it did keep me in, keep me away. I didn't have judgment, but it, it added to some clarity yeah. from a maturity standpoint as to, all right, this is why they're suffering. This is why they're stealing from our own loved ones. Because you ended up actually hating them, not understanding why they did what they were doing. So interesting. Um, because our, they never talked about their addiction, their family. You know, you're shunned. Yeah, you know, it's an embarrassment. So you don't speak. So, but by having this window of education, this opportunity, it actually did put a lot of clarity, and it kept me away from it. I was, I wouldn't say I was afraid. I just saw what the impact was with family. Right. So, hey, um, yeah, you know, firsthand. So I was grateful for it. It helped you. Helped you make that connection, Max. Thank you so much for that call. And um, Dennis Osborne, you mentioned social-emotional learning. That is now part of D.A.R.E. Real. Can you talk about social-emotional learning and how how it connects with teaching kids about drug prevention? Yeah, thanks, Joe. And, you know, that kind of really goes back to some of those comments that Sally made. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, number one, she made a good point because she talked about how she won some awards and actually – got to read her essay in front of the classroom. And that's one of the other things that D.A.R.E. does really is uh, teaches communication skills to kids. And I think that was a good example of what she used there. Um, You know, in in part of the social emotional learning aspect of how it's done today, and most educational uh, lessons are based on social emotional learning, but really it's kids learn from kids through kids. So so today's D.A.R.E., the D.A.R.E. officer is not doing fear-based uh, lessons. They're okay. not doing lecture. They're not lecturing at the kids. They're really a guide for the kids to work through these different activities, which are real scenarios from the development of the curriculum from Arizona State and Penn State, where they work as a small group, maybe four or five kids in a group on a scenario like, hey, you know, you walk home this way from school every day and there's older kids maybe doing drugs. So, you know, here's some choices you can, you know, re- walk a different way you can walk by and say hey no i don't i don't want to try it because i'm an athlete i'm playing soccer and i joined you know signed a code of conduct or they can just um say no you know that's kind of the old school ones but we try to give them all these different strategies now where they can avoid they can leave they can make an excuse so they they'll get up kind of present their uh their way that they would handle this scenario that they're given which are real scenarios that kids have gave gave the university and they do them and so they'll learn from each other and when they get up and present though this is what i would do and this is why this is what we would do this is why and another thing that's really cool with uh, dare now is they um give real facts and they're not from dare they're from a, a website called monitoring the future so we give kids the access to that they can see hey this is how many uh deaths are caused from alcohol use or tobacco use a year they can look up different facts on drug use. Maybe it's not as prevalent as they think it is, you know, with their age group. So we like to give them those skill sets to be able to research and figure things out, um, you know, on their own too. So that's all part of that social emotional learning. We're really talking about uh, how do, is there a silver bullet? You know, a lot of people in the 1970s and the 1980s wanted to do something about drug abuse in this country. Uh, there were ads, there was Just Say No, and there was the D.A.R.E. program, the Drug Awareness... Uh, well, I can't even think of the, the definition of that acronym right now. The Drug Abuse Resistance Education Program, I'm sorry. 
And um, it was it was stopped in Clark County School District in 2012. It still exists in a few rural counties throughout Nevada. Uh, but Clark County, the Clark County School District does have a program, and it's called LEAD. And Lieutenant Brian Zink from the Clark County School District, uh, welcome. Thank you for having us. And we're going to talk about LEAD a bit. What, what does LEAD do? Or, or how would you say it's different from D.A.R.E.? Um, a lot of the aspects are basically are the same, um, but what LEAD is, is it's uh, law enforcement against drugs. So it's a 10-week curriculum that is led by a police officer in a sixth grade classroom right now. It's a K-12 through curriculum, but we're uh, doing it in the sixth grade now. It's uh, led by the, uh, the police officer with the assistance of the teacher if they want to participate. Uh, it's all fact-based um, education program uh, that's been um, researched, tested, uh, and uh, and then implemented. Uh, we started last year in about five middle schools, and then this year we've expanded to nine, and then next year we uh, plan to expand into 20 schools, which will include some high schools. Um, this is a, a question that I, ha I have to ask. You know, there was a cell phone video very recently of a, a Clark County School District police officer slamming a, a young black man to the ground. It has caused a, a lot of consternation. It's being looked into, I know, by the school police. Um, and this goes also back to really kind of Dennis Osborne as well from D.A.R.E. Do police officers have to teach this class? I wonder if there's a danger that police in whatever jurisdiction might have lost some of their standing in the eyes of young people because of everything we see online and in the news these days. Well, one of the benefits of having law enforcement officers teach these classes is that it shows the officers in the classroom as a positive light. These officers go into these classrooms. Again, like I said, our lead program is 10 weeks long. So they're spending 10 weeks with the same group of kids. So they're building that relationship with that with the students and with the law enforcement officer. So they, get, they see the officer as a person. And then another great thing about this program is that most of the officers who teach this program are based out of a, a high school that's near the middle school where they teach. So then these kids, once they transition into high school, they already know their campus officer, and it just helps uh, establish and continue that relationship. Again, we're talking about programs in schools that uh, try to keep kids away from drugs, or at least uh, keep them from starting them so early in, in life. Ali from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'll try to make this as brief as possible. I came up under the D.A.R.E. program. I remember the officer vividly. He used to juggle in our class at some points during the, the presentation. And um, what I wanted to say is that if any program, no matter how nostalgic or commercially successful or memorable as it may be, if it's not serving the community, if it's not reducing drug and alcohol use in the community, then it should be re uh, reassessed and replaced with something more effective. Um, I, I believe that the D.A.R.E. program and uh, is is essentially at odds with the legalization of recreational drugs in Nevada. And while I uh, did not uh, use drugs or alcohol for the first 36 years of my life, based on uh, my religious beliefs, uh, once the uh, once it was legal and I was not uh, committing any crimes by um, uh, indulging in drugs and alcohol uh, in, in, the, in the privacy of my home, then I looked at it as a different uh, aspect of, um, of, of of my adulthood. So uh, while I am sad to see the D.A.R.E. program go, um, the Clark County Commission or the Clark County uh, School District or whoever uh, looked at the program, saw it not being effective or, or, or helping the community and serving the community. And, you know, the bottom line is that's what we need. And um, 
I'll let you go from there. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for that call. Uh, Lieutenant Brian Zink, this brings up a question. Is I wonder if people in the program, the people who develop and work on these programs, think they're fighting an uphill battle now because marijuana is recreational marijuana is legal in 21 states, and it's growing. Uh, I don't think that we look at it as an uphill battle. Any, any program that gives us the opportunity to go in and educate the youth as to what can happen if they do this, this, or that is very important. And again, it's very important for these kids to understand that, yes, it is a legal substance. It's legally uh, allowed for adults who can legally go and purchase it. And then at their age, especially in middle school, it's not the best thing to do as their brain's developing. Uh, On the other hand, I wonder if you think there's more need for it than ever um, because the access is so much more prevalent. And and I wonder if you could talk about that in terms of the ways that kids today might be smoking it in schools, or I mean, I don't, I don't even know if they do smoke it in schools. I don't see how you could because of the, the smell is so uh, strong. Well, we all know that vaping is is huge. Um, we see it everywhere that we go. Uh, you can see the big puffs of white smoke, and yes, it is an issue. It is something that our schools are constantly dealing with. Maybe wait, do kids smoke uh, with a vape like right in a classroom? Uh, I've had heard I've had I have heard stories of that happening, and we do confiscate and uh, book into evidence quite a few vape devices. Uh, that's uh, that's amazing. I, I I'm just trying to wonder how they would function as a as a student. I mean, and that again is the problem, and that's what a lot of kids don't understand. That if you know if I get high first period, this is going to affect the way that I learn for the rest of the day. Is LEAD, the the program that the school district now does, is it based on marijuana being a gateway drug? I mean, is that that the basis of it? Like you think if you do marijuana, well, you're going to end up uh, doing fentanyl and heroin someday. Um, the, 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 The approach is more to educate the fact that people who start smoking marijuana at early age tend to uh, have addictions later in life. So some people, it's a gateway drug. Some people can try it once and never have a problem, but there are other people that can try it once and it can, in fact, be that gateway drug. So it's just to let them know that, you know, you need to make the informed decision about this substance that you're taking in your body. And then these are the consequences that, that could possibly happen. Uh, that's Brian Zink, uh, public information officer for the Clark County School District. We're talking about programs like DARE. The Clark County School District's program is called LEAD, and they are programs to educate and uh, to prevent uh, drug abuse uh, among students. A lot of questions about whether they work. Uh, you heard some callers definitely say it did work for some of them, and for others they thought maybe it was it. It was more negative later in life for them. And James from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, James. Why don't you go ahead? Well, you know, I I, I did D.A.R.E. when I was a kid. And, yeah. uh, you know, I recall D.A.R.E. being, you know, it was uh, a, a lot of what I found out when I was older was a lot of what they taught me in D.A.R.E. was wrong. It was, it was factually wrong and scientifically wrong about a lot of the substances that... Uh, you know, the, the, and the consequences of what they claimed. And so how would you respond to uh, an allegation that dare is nothing more than d- drug war propaganda and always has been? Also, uh, is, is dare now teaching things that are more scientifically accurate? Yeah, and, and Dennis Osborne from uh, Dare America, you, you, you touched on that a little bit more earlier, but I wonder if you could do that again. Um, the propaganda aspect of D.A.R.E. as part of the war on drugs, that was one of his questions. The other was if yeah. it's based more on scientific evidence. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, he may have went through the old curriculum and he's correct that that's kind of the way, the way it was. It was more of a fear-based tactic. Now, it truly is just a based on, hey, let's make healthy decisions for a healthy life. And we don't really talk about specific drugs. There are a few enhancement lessons like our opioid lesson that does talk about opi opioids specifically, but really it's about, hey, making good, healthy decisions on what you choose to put into your body and why. And again, we go back to that monitoring the future website that we use. That's not DARE's website. That's a, you know, a neutral website that we use our scientific data from. So yeah, it's science-driven, science-effective, proven effective. And thank you so much for that call, James. Uh, we have another caller, Joan from Las Vegas, has an interesting comment. Joan, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. Um, well, something that isn't hasn't been mentioned on the show and is vital is that a lot of people do drugs to kill pain, sometimes physical, often emotional. I did some workshops with a Dr. Gabor Mate, of Vancouver, who for a dozen years treated the hardcore addicts on the downtown east side of Vancouver, generally acknowledged to be the worst neighborhood in Canada. And he said, without exception, every single one of his female patients had been sexually molested, as had been a lot of the men. And he, and he said, you don't just say no doesn't work if someone is in so much pain and the drugs kill the pain. Mm -hmm. I, I can say I used alcohol and marijuana to kill the pain in my 20s and 30s. I'm too old to have been through D.A.R.E. And I, I, I used the drugs to, because I was hurting emotionally and didn't know how to handle it. Finally, I found a couple of good therapists who helped me deal with it, and I'm pretty much clean now. But you have to you have to realize, ask, ask the kids why they're hurting. Tell them that if they're hurting and want to kill the pain, to seek other kind of help than drugs because a lot of times the parents are the ones causing the pain as was in my case and that's something that i didn't hear you deal with and there yeah. is not going to work when a kid is hurting bad well i i, I want to get into that where i want to go back to dennis osborne about that but i i want to turn now to tabitha johnson she is a licensed clinical alcohol and drug abuse counselor in nevada Tabitha, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you deal with children and adults who are dealing with drug abuse and drug addiction. Um, yes. Very interesting comment uh, from Joan. Is that what you find as well? I mean, and is that part, uh, do you think the social-emotional learning part of the D.A.R.E. program and of the LEAD program, do you think that's crucial? Absolutely. And thank you, Joan, for bringing up this really important piece. Um, we were actually going to get to that next. So essentially, both LEAD and um, DARE are looking at prevention, and we're opening that conversation, teaching kids how to make healthy choices. But we also want to integrate the family, the importance of the family. So I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And you mentioned, you know, being in pain. Um, so being able to open up those conversations so that, you know, sometimes kids are dealing with some difficult things at home, whether there's a divorce, um, domestic violence, those types of things. And we know many of the clients that I work with, they come in to say, you know, Ms. Tabitha, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. So I started to smoke. I started to, you know, use weed, whatever that might be. And so exactly we're trying to get to the root of what that cause is. And so I think programs like Dare and Lead, we just want to integrate the family court piece of it so that we can continue that dialogue and understand where is the pain coming from and is this why I'm choosing to use. And, you know, by the same token, also educating 
the the ramifications of substance use. I always ask uh, about the family stuff, and you mentioned the importance of a family. Uh, it's important for a, a child when they leave school to go home to a healthy environment, yes. a, a healthy family dynamic. That is not. I don't think that's really common among, you know, it's a rarity. I'll be frank about it. Everybody, every family has some issues going on. Absolutely. In the end, though, if that's really so key, I wonder if the the programs we have in school um, should be more geared toward parents or or if there is even a way to do that. You know, you you bring up a really good point. So I was actually just talking to uh, Lieutenant Brian a little bit about LEAD and just kind of the parent uh, collaboration. And I know that's something that they're working towards. There's actually an amazing app called Talk, They Hear You. Um, It's through SAMHSA, and it's really just giving parents the opportunity to practice having those conversations with their kids about potential substance use, about things like depression um, and their social emotional state. So, you know, parents, it's going to start with us. You know, earlier we had talked um, offline about is it the school's job to teach kids about substance use and prevention? I think it's part of, but it really starts at home. You're a mother, um, yes. and you actually went through DARE, and I was going to get into some I questions did. about that. <laughs> but for other parents listening, how What's the age that you start talking to somebody about drugs and drug abuse? And and how do you ever bring it up? That is a great question. So I don't really think there's a magic age. Um, I think you're really watching your kids, right? So kind of noticing are there changes with your kids' behavior, their peer group, things like that. Um, this morning, actually, on the way to to the station, had a conversation with my 12-year-old. I used the little app this morning, kind of practiced some things and just had a, a frank conversation with him about wow. drugs and alcohol. Like, like, wait, you, you just brought it up out of the blue? Yeah. So my son and I, we actually have a pretty decent relationship and he knows that I'm a therapist. So he knows that I'm typically going to talk about emotions. So it's kind of the joke in the house. Okay, mom, what what is it now? Okay, yeah, but, like a TV show. You know, he's, he's, he's in middle school. You know, and and so coming on this program today, I was like, you know what, I need to to begin. And we've had some previous conversations more or less about mood and, you know, depression, anxiety, those types of things. But today I was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm just curious. Is there is there any conversation amongst your peer group about drugs and alcohol? He attends a private school. Do do you say to him peer group or you say friends? I say friends. Okay, Okay. sorry, guys. I'm I'm in my therapy hat, right? Not my mom hat. Um, And so he kind of gave me the eyebrow like, what? (laughs) <laughs> and, um, you know, he said, no, mom, we don't we don't talk about that kind of stuff. Like right now, my son is is interested in playing games online, getting good grades. He just started playing basketball. So like making sure as parents that we're in the world of our kids. So, you know, when when kids are on their phones and they're isolated in their rooms, like we don't necessarily know what's going on. One aspect of this is is talking about you know, really not to scare them, but the consequences of abuse, and it's hard to get a young person to understand potential consequences. So maybe I'm thinking like in the '80s when they had that commercial, "This is your brain on drugs," showing an egg being fried. That 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 was their attempt to to visualize for somebody who's never been through a life you know, a young person. But for parents wondering how to tell kids about those potential consequences, how do you make that apparent to them? It's a really good question. So I know as a kid, when I saw the egg frying, I freaked out. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that to my brain, right? Um, But I think now we've learned that fear alone, that's just, that's not really enough. Um, And so really talking about 
what are some of the ramifications if I decided to use substances? If we know that kids' brains aren't fully developed until age 25, the potential impact that you're going to have on that person's brain capacity, the earlier that they use. Um, So the health consequences, the relational consequences, um, even having involvement with law enforcement, you know, there's a lot of different consequences and just being open to discuss the truth. Based on your experience talking to so many people as a therapist, do you think there's a place for programs like DARE and LEAD in our schools? Do you think they're effective? Or if if not, I, I just really kind of wonder what your opinion is. You know, I think there there definitely is a place. I just think we need to continue to to refine, right? As we know more information, we can add more people. I think continuing to focus on the family piece and bringing, uh, you know, parent involvement. So even if there was like a QR code, a parent could scan something that lead or dare, you know, brought to the classroom. So, you know, tips on how to talk to your kids on substance use could be helpful. Having, you know, parent workshops, um, just, again, more integration and interaction because this is a community issue. It's not just you know, school issue. It's not just a family issue. This yeah. impacts the entire community. And, and Dennis Osborne from Dare America. I'm sorry, uh, you wanted to say something earlier. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I just think that uh, Joan hit on a very important topic in and what Tabitha, Tabitha was saying just now too you know, on mental health. And in 2021, um, because of the COVID and the teen um, depression, uh, unfortunately, teen suicide percentage-wise increased. So DARE partnered with the American Foundation on Suicide Prevention, and we created an enhancement lesson that's called More Than Sad, Teen Mental Health, and it's it's suicide prevention and how to get help yourself, how to recognize signs and symptoms in a peer or a friend and how to get them help. Uh, So I think that was just a huge, important topic. And we have that enhancement lesson. It's it's, uh, been very popular and asked for a lot. And we also have, in many of our enhancement lessons and our core lessons, we have those family talks so the kids can bring home what they're learning in DARE and discuss it with the family. And that's to get those conversations started and open the communication. So I think those were great points by Tabitha and Joan. So thank you for bringing those up. And we have time for one more call, I think. Jordan from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, I remember when they came to my school with a puppet and they told me that salt was a drug, you know, and I was just like, I I don't know why they're not sending health professionals into the school. Uh, They're kind of dealing it from a backwards angle. Like, are cops really the best uh, resources to educate children on the health effects and and the way drugs can impact their lives? You know, I think it's the use of substance goes to a socioeconomic level as well. You know, sometimes you'll have parents who are hustling and trying, you know, trying to put food on the table any way they can. Mm -hmm. But we don't even deal with stuff like with that. The fact that, you know, people are at at risk and their and their mental health at risk. And we need more social workers and more health professionals to talk to kids and less from a backwards like consequence and punitive angle. Yeah, a very interesting point. Tabitha, you have about 30 seconds and would it be better or should it be an adjunct to bring health professionals in with police to teach these courses? 
Uh, great question. I would say adjunct because I do think we need to have all of the key players at the table. So if a, a youth is using, ends up with law enforcement, I think there needs to be early on conversations. Clark County does have safe school professionals on site. So there's many licensed folks in the school district. So potentially collaboration between the two. All right. that You can hear the music. Our, our time is running out. I really want to thank Dennis Osborne, the Western Regional Director for Dare America, Lieutenant Brian Zink, Public Information Officer with the Clark County School District's Police Department, and Tabitha Johnson, a licensed clinical alcohol and drug abuse counselor in Nevada. And thanks to those who called and wrote in. Really, really appreciate it.